Section 28 of Four American Indians by Edson L. Whitney and Francis M. Perry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 10 of the Story of Osceola. Chapter 10 Osceola and General Jessup. On the 8th of December, 1836, under most favorable circumstances, General Jessup took command of the Florida War and entered upon an energetic campaign. He had under his command about 8,000 men. Among these were several hundred Creek Indians hired to fight the Seminoles, with the promise of the pay and emoluments and equipments of soldiers in the Army of the United States, and such plunder as they may take from the Seminoles. It will be remembered that Osceola had told the Indians that the war was not against women and children. General Jessup took a different view of the matter. His first step was to make a series of sudden raids upon the villages on the Withlacoochee in which he seized unprotected women and children. By his frequent sorties, he drove the Indians south or divided them. On the 12th of January, he reported that he had sent mounted men in pursuit of Osceola, who was hiding with only three followers and his family. The capture of women and children broke the spirit of the Indians. They felt that if their wives and children must be sent to Arkansas, perhaps they would be happier there with them than in Florida without them. Accordingly, many listened with favor to General Jessup's invitation to come to Fort Dade and hold a council to decide on terms of capitulation. On the 6th of March, 1837, five chiefs and a large number of sub-chiefs met General Jessup at Fort Dade. They agreed to emigrate according to the terms of the Treaty of Payne's Landing, but insisted that their Negroes should be allowed to accompany them. This point was at last conceded them, and the fifth article of the Terms of Capitulation contained these words. The Seminoles and their allies who come in and emigrate to the West shall be secure in their lives and property. Their Negroes, their bona fide property, shall accompany them West. Large numbers of Indians expressed their willingness to sign these terms and assembled at a point near Fort Brooke on Tampa Bay, where twenty-eight vessels waited in the harbor to transport them. Even Osceola is said to have sent word that he and his family would emigrate with the rest. The camp at Fort Brooke grew larger every day. General Jessup was well satisfied. He reported that the Florida War was ended and indeed it might have been had the terms of the agreement been adhered to. But slave claims were pushed. Unprincipled men went into the Indians' territory and seized Negroes. There was bitter complaint against the fifth article of the compact. At last, General Jessup was induced to change that article so that it should contain a promise by the Indians to deliver up all Negroes, belonging to white men who had been taken during the war. This change was made with the knowledge and consent of only one chief, Alligator. When the Indians in general became aware that the terms of capitulation had been tampered with, they were highly indignant. General Jessup appointed a day on which all Negroes taken during the war were to be brought in, but no attention was paid to his order. He then sent Osceola the following message. I intend to send exploring parties into every part of the country during the summer and I shall send out all the Negroes who belong to the white people, and you must not allow the Indians or their Negroes to mix with them. I am sending for bloodhounds to trail them, and I intend to hang every one of them who does not come in. 
When Osceola received this message and learned that ninety Negroes had already been seized by General Jessup as belonging to the whites, he declared that the agreement had been violated and that the signers were therefore no longer bound by it. He instructed those encamped at Tampa to disperse. The old chief McConaughey refused to do so or to give the command to his people. One night early in June, Osceola entered the camp and visited the tent of the sleeping McConaughey. As he had always done before, the old man yielded to the wonderful personal influence of Osceola and did his bidding like a child. On the morning of the 5th of June, General Jessup was awakened by an officer who came hurrying to tell him that the Indians had gone. Surely enough, the great camp had vanished in the night. The captives had fled. Already they were safe in their marshy fastnesses. Families were reunited. All had had rest and food and clothes. The coming sickly season would make it impossible to pursue them till their growing crops were harvested. The Seminole War, with all its difficulties, was reopened. Osceola, who a few months before had been a hunted fugitive with only three followers, without hope for himself or his people, was again a powerful war chief. With a brighter outlook, his natural cheerfulness of disposition returned, and he hoped and planned great things for the coming autumn. Early in September, he learned that his good friend, King Philip, had been captured with eleven followers, by General Jessup Hernandez. King Philip's son, Wildcat, had come to him, saying he had been to St. Augustine to see his father, that the Palefaces had treated him well and had allowed him to carry his father's messages to his friends. The old chief wanted Osceola to come to St. Augustine to arrange for his liberation. Osceola, always generous and ready to serve a friend, sent back to General Hernandez a finely wrought bead pipe, and a white plume to indicate that the path between them was now white and safe, and to inquire whether it would be safe for his return. Wildcat soon returned to Osceola with presents and friendly messages from the general. With the hope of gaining the release of King Philip, Osceola started for St. Augustine with a large attendance of warriors. Wildcat went in advance to announce his coming. With a great show of regard, General Hernandez went out to meet Osceola with a store of supplies. He met his advance guard, and learning that Osceola would not arrive till evening, left word that Osceola should choose a camping ground near Fort Peyton, and went back to communicate with General Jessup. The next morning, General Hernandez rode out, dressed in full uniform and escorted by his own staff, and many of the officers of General Jessup's staff. He found Osceola and Chief Alligator with seventy-one picked warriors assembled under the white flag for council. The warriors had brought with them the women of King Philip's family, and about one hundred negroes to be given up in exchange for the prisoner. After the usual greetings and ceremonies, General Hernandez took out a paper and said that General Jessup wanted to know the Indians' answers to these questions. What is your object in coming? What do you expect? Are you prepared to deliver up at once the slaves taken from the citizens? Why have you not surrendered them already, as promised by Alligator at Fort King? Have the chiefs of the nation held a council in relation to the subjects of the talk at Fort King? What chiefs attended that council, and what was their determination? Have the chiefs sent a messenger with the decision of the council? Have the principal chiefs, McConaughey, 
Jumper, Cloud, and Alligator sent a messenger, and if so, what is their message? Why have not those chiefs come in themselves? When Osceola heard these questions, he struggled to answer. He began a sentence, but could not finish it. Turning to Alligator, he said in a low, husky voice, I feel choked. You must speak for me. Perhaps his suspicions were aroused by these questions. Perhaps he saw afar the lines of soldiers closing round his camp. At any rate, he was deeply troubled. Finding the answers given by Alligator unsatisfactory, General Hernandez, following the orders of General Jessup, gave the signal, and the troops surrounding the camp closed in upon the dismayed Indians and marched them off to the fort. In this way was the man that the generals in Florida pronounced the war spirit of the Seminoles conquered. End of section 28